please be aware that the comments, views, opinions shared on this podcast are not meant to diagnose a medical problem and or legal problem. If you do have a medical problem or legal problem, kindly contact a professional. Welcome to An Apple A Day, a podcast, a resource, a community. Share your experiences and learn from others as we overcome barriers and learn to live a happy, healthy life with a disability. Welcome to the community. Here's your host, Jimmy Apple. Welcome to an Apple a Day. I'm your host, Jimmy Apple. An Apple a Day is brought to you by www.famousapple.com. How you doing today, my friends? Having a good day? Having a good week? God, I hope you're not down in South Carolina, North Carolina, in that area down there. They're getting pummeled, pummeled by this hurricane. I think at last count, when I, when I was listening to it this morning on Friday, uh, I think there were 600,000 people without electricity down there. My God. Can you imagine being without electricity? And they're, they're saying they're going to be without electricity for weeks. Think about it. Everything we do has something to do with electricity. Electricity plays a very big part in our lives. And now, for weeks, they're predicting no electricity. That means no frozen food. It's going to be hard to, to keep food fresh. No ice, uh, no air conditioning, no, <laughs> no TV, and charging cell phones is going to be hard. And then on top of it, you're not going to be able to get gas because you need electric to run the gas pumps. That's scary. It's a scary thought. And the people that have generators, well, you know, generators only going to last but so long because you need gas to run the generators. Like I said, it's scary out there, my friend. I wouldn't want to be stuck there. Unfortunately, I have quite a few friends. I used to live in South Carolina. I have quite a few friends down there that, uh, that are facing this right now. What I don't understand is people are told in advance that, look, this storm is coming and you have to leave. Go further inland. And you get the, you get the excuses. Well, I don't have uh, money for a hotel or this is my house. I'm not going to leave it. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure you could find money for a hotel. Hit up family and friends and whoever you can. And besides that, you really don't even need the money for the hotel because there are shelters set up all over the place that can handle it. All right, it's not going to be the most comfortable thing in the world. You know, you're not going to be staying at the Hilton shelter, but <laughs> it's a shelter. It keeps you dry. It keeps your family and you safe. So don't, money is not an excuse. Money is not an excuse. And then the people that are like, well, this is my house. And, like, you have insurance on your house. If your house blows away, your insurance company is going to pay for, pay for you to rebuild it. That's what you pay insurance for. Now, if you're going to sit there and tell me, you don't have flood insurance. Well, I'm going to say you're a moron. You're living in a house on the beach on stilts that are 14 feet high. The water at high tide runs into your house and runs back out. And you don't have flood insurance? Then you don't. You shouldn't be living on the beach. You shouldn't be living on a on an island that's surrounded by water. They've got those islands. It's a half mile wide and three miles long. You shouldn't be living there. You shouldn't have a house there. If you can't afford to have flood insurance, then you can't afford to have a house there. I mean, it's simple. Who do you expect is going to 
pay to rebuild your house? Do you think the government's going to come in and do it? You have to take responsibility. Once again, we always say it. You have to take responsibility for yourself and you have to be responsible for your house. But don't let your house keep you in a, in a place that could kill you. It's all well and good to say, oh yeah, I live on a beach and look at the view and the water and I smell the salt air. I love that too. And I would kill to live there. The only thing is, is I can't afford the flood insurance. The flood insurance costs more than a car. It's ridiculous, but it's a necessity. And if you're going to live on the water, then that's something that you should have. But anyway, how prepared are you? Have you ever thought about it? God forbid you ever found yourself in a situation like this. Are you prepared for a hurricane to strike or a tornado, an avalanche of snow? Are you prepared for earthquakes you know for the average person it's a scary scary thought you know having to face these natural disasters look at the people the poor people in hawaii who would ever think honestly i know i i wouldn't i know it's a volcano and all that, but who would ever think you're living there for 20 years 30 years all of a sudden the volcano erupts and yeah you, you're getting splashed down with molten lava and you're running for your life you, you're on an island how far can you run right when you're never prepared for it but when you're disabled and stuff like this happens that's even more scary at least to me it is and that's what we're going to discuss today we're going to discuss being prepared for these natural disasters and as prepared as you can possibly be put it that way nothing is foolproof and nothing is a hundred percent guaranteed but at least you can soften up the odds against you now i posed this question to readers of the website i said to them i said what are your suggestions to make it safer for a disabled person in the house in case of an emergency and we're figuring out people that have either no mobility or a hard time being mobile and the first thing that came up and it was straight across the board a disabled person's bedroom should be on the first floor of the house this way god forbid that is an emergency god forbid a million times over that there's a fire in the house and a person isn't mobile and they depend say on a wheelchair or crutches to get out if the house is on fire how difficult do you think that would be so i agree a disabled person should have a bedroom on the main floor just for my own thing when after i became disabled i used to have a, a buy level and we sold the house and the next house we looked for was a ranch so this way everything was on the first floor so it made things easier but yeah a disabled person should be on the main floor now every disabled person their bedroom should have a fire extinguisher it should have a, a smoke alarm and they should have a fire extinguisher in reach of their bed i agree with that as a matter of fact i didn't even think of it but i'll be putting a fire extinguisher in my bedroom this weekend there has to be a clear path now it's kind of hard to say well it should always be a clear path well no nah, it's not hard it should always be a clear path but we're human so but if you know that there's a chance of a disaster a chance of a hurricane a chance of tornadoes you should plan beforehand what your escape route is going to be from the house i know that sounds minor or should be a no-brainer but if you're in a wheelchair or if you're on crutches or god forbid you're blind you know you have to have a, a 
designated escape route from your house. The other thing now, and, and again, in the case of an emergency like this, a car should be parked in close proximity to the front door. If you know, for example, you're under a tornado watch, me, the first thing I would do is I'd park the car right by the front walkway there. That makes it just that much easier, that much quicker to get the person out of the house. Another thing, now this is something that you should do on a regular basis, whether there's an emergency or the sun is shining. You should always have a list of your medications. You should have it in paper and online. You should also have a list of all your doctors, again, on paper and online, as well as a list of all your disabilities. This could be crucial as you're going along it. God forbid, again, that there's this terrible emergency. And for whatever reason, you can't speak or you've become uh, unconscious. Let people know exactly what you, what you have wrong with you. They could give you the wrong medication that could kill you. So it's always a good thing to have it just in case. I actually, my, my med list, since my meds change so often, every time I go to the doctor and I get a new medication, first thing I do when I get in the house is change it on the computer and print out a new list. You should keep one. In, I keep one in my glove compartment. I keep one in my wallet. My wife has one in a purse. They're always good to have. Now, something else that you should have that, God forbid, again, that there's this emergency, you should have a list of all the hospitals in the, in the area, directions to them, phone numbers. This way, you're covered. If you have to leave your house, you'll know where there's a hospital or, or a medical service somewhere close by. And that's just something you should research and keep it handy. Here's something. My wife made me do this years ago. I got one of those plastic-like... Uh, the small plastic tote boxes. It looks almost like the size of a shoe box. And in that box, it seals. I have all my medications. Everything that I take is inside that box. And if you have to do like I did, get a second box. But all my medications are in a plastic box. God forbid of water. If, if we got flooded, the box would float. So I'll be able to get to my medication. The other thing that I always have in the freezer, no matter what, is cold packs. You know, those, you put them in your coolers when you go to the beach they're like little blue blocks i have dozens of them honestly in my freezer and they're there constantly if you have to leave in a hurry you can grab them and put your insulin into a plastic box if you're a diabetic or whatever whatever other medication you can put that in a plastic box keep it cool keep it with you i also have a medical supply box that has bandages, uh, tape, disinfectant, you know, antibiotic ointments. I also keep in there, and this is something you should think about, I also keep a box of trash bags, um, tall kitchen garbage bags. I have problems with my legs, and a lot of times I can't get the bandages wet that I have on it, so I'll wrap my leg in a garbage bag. Or I also keep a box of saran wrap. Good to have in case, of, in case you get hurt. It'll keep the, the cut dry. You won't be getting the the stuff that's in the water around you getting into your cut. So it's just good to have in case of an emergency. Make sure your cell phones are always charged. I don't go to bed with my cell phone less than 100% charged. If it is, I plug it in. I leave it in overnight. And the same thing with flashlights. Make sure you have good flashlights. LED lights are better than regular flashlights. They're much brighter and they, they use less electricity. Now here, for someone that uses oxygen, this is very important. Keep extra bottles of oxygen. Now, I know somebody that has uh, an oxygen pump in the house. They plug it in, it, it produces its own oxygen. And that's all well and good. But God forbid the power goes out. Then what? Then you're screwed. So it's better to keep half a dozen bottles of oxygen around. At least that's enough to get you going until you 
find something else or get to another doctor or hospital. That's what I always tell them. They keep they keep two extra, two or three uh, three pound bottles. That's not gonna do you. Get the ten pound bottles. And I know I know it can be an expense, but it's an expense. It, this is your life you're talking about. So it's better to have them. And you know what you can do is you can keep them in the car if you know that there's a chance that you're gonna get hit with a hurricane or a, or a tornado or whatever it is. Prepare your car. Prepare it. Put the oxygen bottles in the back. Put your extra cannulas and your your wrench to turn the to turn the oxygen on and off to put the regulator on. Have all of that pre pre packed. Now this next one is something that someone told me a long time ago, and at first I said you're nuts. But after thinking about it and seeing hurricanes and look what happened in Texas and Puerto Rico, Louisiana, and I thought maybe they're not so crazy. They lived in Wayne, New Jersey, which had a, a tendency to get flooded quite often. And what they did is they went out and they bought one of these John boats. You know, you see them at Sears or sometimes at Walmart even. And they're not expensive. I, I mean, they're a couple of hundred dollars. But they kept that in the back of their house. And I said, why would you buy a boat? You don't even like to go out in a boat. You don't like to go fishing or anything like that. They said it was in case of an emergency. And I just couldn't figure it. But then I seen people during Texas and Louisiana and in Puerto Rico. And even here now in North Carolina, there was people that had boats set up and ready. God forbid they needed them. They put this out in the back of their house. And if the if the water came like they were predicting, they could get right out in that boat and they could row away from the house. And I was thinking, you know what? If you have a disabled person that's not mobile, they can't walk, maybe they're crippled. What better? You're not going to push them in a wheelchair through, through a giant puddle, through, a, through the overflow of the water, and you never know what's in the water. See, that's the scary part. Now, like here in South Carolina, North Carolina, if you've ever been on Hilton Head, Hilton Head Island in South Carolina, I've been on Hilton Head, I've been in Myrtle Beach, there's alligators there. Hilton Head, you could drive down the road and you'll see the alligators in the drainage ditches on the side. Now, when those drainage ditches are overflowing, where are the alligators going? They're going on the streets. You, you might find it in your living room for all you know. And they're talking about snakes, poisonous snakes. And down south, they have them, especially those cotton mouths. So I would rather be in a boat than to have to travel through that water or walk through that water. It makes sense. It made sense to me now. It didn't make sense to me when they told me that they kept a boat in the back of the house in Wayne, New Jersey. And I'm not talking about a cabin cruiser or, you know, a yacht. I'm talking about a John boat, uh, uh, a four-person boat, something that you could put your disabled person into and get them out safely as well as the rest of the family, even pets and what have you. It's just the sense of being prepared, and it makes it easier for the disabled person, but it also makes it easier for the people that are caring for that disabled person. You don't want to have to carry someone through these floods, and as long as you're at it. Now, this might sound a little bit far-fetched or ridiculous maybe to you, but a life jacket, at least for the person that's disabled. I think there should be a life jacket for every person in the house when it comes to these floods. I mean, it's just a matter of being prepared. Prepared, and that's the best you can do. Now, if you have any other suggestions that could help somebody in an emergency like this, hey, send them to me at admin at famousapple.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at famousapple.com. We'll put them out here on the, on the podcast to share with the other people that are listening. It may sound outrageous, some of these things, but when you think about it, it's very logical. I have one person that added that you should have a tent, a small tent with you. 
and I'm thinking to myself, why? But then when, when you think about it, if you have someone that's disabled and you have to change bandages, having a small pop-up tent makes things that much easier that you can do it while it's dry and you're not infecting the wound. It may sound ridiculous to you, some of these things, but when you look at it logically, they all kind of make sense. All right, we're going to take a quick break here, and we'll be back in 30 seconds. I'll see you on the other side. An Apple a Day is brought to you by www.famousapple.com. Famousapple.com is the home site for this podcast. There you're going to find articles about the topics we discuss. You're going to find our connections to our Facebook page. And you're even going to find connections to our private chat board. So take a minute, go over, visit www.famousapple.com. But please wait till the end of this podcast. Don't run out on me now. Let's get back to the discussion. And we're back. That wasn't too bad. So I hope you took note of all those tips to keep you safe during a storm. And the, the main thing is, is we have to look out for each other. So remember that. Keep that in your pack too. That if you know you have a neighbor that's disabled, make sure you check on them. And keep in touch with people around you. Especially if you're disabled, keep in touch with family so that they know that you're safe. Don't put all that worry on top of them too, on on top of everything else. Because you know they're worried about you when they see that you're living, say, in North Carolina or South Carolina. And there's a hurricane coming and they haven't heard from you in a couple of days. Put their minds at ease as well. All right, I want to move on here. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and more or less tell you that if they were in your shoes, if they had your disability, how they would do things 100% different? I just had that happen to me a couple of days ago. A very good friend of mine, he he called me up and he says, uh, his doctor says that he's diabetic. So I told him, I said, you know, I'm trying to be nice about it, saying it's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, it's a, it's a shitty disease. I'm not going to lie about it, but it's not the worst thing. It's controllable. If you work at it and he turns around and it's out of character for him, but he turns around and he says to me, he says, if I had to live like you do, he says, I, I just drop dead. I wouldn't do what you do. He says, you got to watch everything you eat and you're, you're shooting insulin. You're doing this. You do it. He says, I want to live. I want to be happy. What am I going to do? Follow these diets and, and live a couple of extra hours. He's no. He says, I want to die happy. I'm thinking to myself, what an ass you are. I mean, think about it. You want to die happy? You're already preparing for your death? He tells me, he goes, what's going to happen? He says, I, I'll I'll sit home at night. I'll eat a chocolate uh, ice cream sundae, and then I'm going to croak. And am I going to say, well, that ice cream sundae was good. But if I didn't eat it and I croaked, I'd be saying, why, why didn't I eat that ice cream sundae? You know, I, I, I have to wonder. If I didn't know better, I'd say, this guy's on crack. What, how do you even think like that? that? If you don't care about yourself, what about the rest of your family? What about your wife and your kids? Do you, do you think you might want to stay around for them? I, just, I was blown away by it. And you know what? I was a little bit insulted. I was that you could trivialize it that much. And anyone that has diabetes, anyone that has heart disease, anyone that has anything, you know how hard you work at it. And to have someone trivialize it like that and and I have to be honest, when I was younger, 
When I was younger and bulletproof, I had a friend of mine, I told this story once before, his wife was diabetic. And I used to look at her, not, not to demean her, but I, I, it used to scare me when I seen it. And I said one time to them, I said, God forbid I ever became diabetic. I said, that's what would kill me. Because now as many tattoos as I have, I hate needles. I despise needles, especially needles from a doctor. Now, the tattoos I got, a lot of them came from a tattoo shop owned by the Hells Angels. And those guys, you don't want to cry in front of them. So, you know, they, I got my tattoos. But a tattoo is much different than getting a shot from a doctor. But anyway, I said, that, that's what's going to kill me if, if I ever became diabetic. But you know what? I became diabetic. And then it became, well, if you don't take the insulin, you're going to kill yourself. So my point here is don't let anyone make you feel bad for doing the right thing. You know what you got to do. If they want to kill themselves, there's nothing you can do to stop them. Personally, I think this guy is, maybe he's upset by the fact that he's a diabetic and maybe he knows he's going to have to do what I do. Or he's just an ass and he thinks he sounds tough by saying, I'll die. Oh, yeah, you're smart. <laughs> you're a genius. Anyway, listen, my friends. Thank you very much for stopping by today. Thank you very much for letting me talk to you. And let's keep the people down south in our in our thoughts and in our prayers. Hopefully there won't be any debts or too many people hurt or anything like that. And they pull right through it. Okay? Now, remember, things can always be worse. Here's proof. Look where you're sitting right now. You could be sitting in the Carolinas. Things could be worse. And always remember, people people are striving to get where you're at right at this moment. So stay strong, my friends. Again, thank you. I'll talk to you at the beginning of next week. And have a great, great weekend. Stay dry. This is Jimmy Apple. Thanks for listening to An Apple a Day with Jimmy Apple, your gateway to a happy, healthy life. Join our community at www.famousapple.com. See you next time.